You're listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick. So you're listening to Hamish and Scott. And this week we are going to be talking about, well, Scott is going to be talking about manufacturing, which is a hugely important and uh, often controversial subject when it comes to getting your design and product off to market. So Scott, do you want to yeah, yeah, sure. lead us in? So um, it's one of those things, uh, manufacturing, I guess, I guess some of it's going to be a little bit of a warning um, because a lot of people think that once the design's done, all the R&D's mm-hmm. finished. Mm-hmm. And so they jump into manufacturing, oh, it's a black and white, it's a science, it's engineering. Nothing could possibly go wrong or need changing or whatever, but really when it comes down to it, especially when you're doing unique products, sometimes, you know, quite often when I do unique products, what makes them unique is that you're using a different manufacturing process or you're, or you're modifying a manufacturing process to suit your product, which no one else has done before, and that's what, that what, that's what gives you your patentable aspect. So in that case, you have to get the manufacturer to buy in. I've had, I've had um, jobs before where we've got eight people to quote the job and, and seven people have said it can't be done and, and we've then managed to get a person who said it can be done, we think it can be done. You sit with them and you work through what you're imagining, how it can be done and you can make it work. It's, there's very few things I've ever, uh, and there's nothing actually I've ever done, touch wood, that, uh, that I haven't been able to make work. But you have to realise that if you are going into manufacturing, there is a level of R&D to it. Um, so just keep that in mind. Don't just think that uh, oh, there's a 10 week lead time, it's gonna take 10 weeks. Quite often, there'll be a level of, of working the product back and forth till it's perfect. You never really know how something's gonna come out of a tool. So just to clarify, Scott, when you say something might not come out quite as you see it from a tool, when you, when you talk about tooling, you're talking about anything from a mold, uh, you might just want to explain that. Yeah, sure. So <coughs> m- most um, mass-produced products, which is primarily what we deal in, um, things that are made for the world market, so you're talking hundreds of thousands of units possibly, hopefully, um, they usually have a tooling process. So to make something in mass, generally, uh, so if you were to prototype something, you'd do a 3D print, might take, an, you know, 12, a one-off. 12 hours, mm. one-off, it, mm. it might take you another 12 hours to finish it, you know, clean it up and paint it and all the rest of it. So you're looking at 24 hours to make a part. Of course, that part's gonna be much, much more expensive than a product that comes out of an injection molding tool, which has a, like a, a 30 second cycle. Right. Uh, and obviously with tooling, you're spending more money up front to make a, a big iron tool or tool steel tool uh, that produces a part in the hundreds of thousands, you know, one every minute or so uh, in perfect finished condition mm. other than taking a gate off or a sprue off and in order to uh, inject that part you're never really quite sure uh, plastics there are there are computer simulators to tell you you know where the stress and strain is more how it flows everything like that but really when it comes down to it you make a part until you've injection molded it you don't know how it's going to shrink and shift uh, after that that part's been made so when I get a tool back I will or for injection molding for example sake and it happens with press tools cast tools, uh, cast parts, the die cast parts, you know, all these sort of products, they, they go in hot and they cool down. So there's a, a level of shrinkage and they can bow and they can do all sorts of things that can have, you know, twists in them or whatever, or they can get, they can shrink in a certain area which, which you hadn't anticipated. So what we do in that process, we will um, make a product tool safe so that it's bigger than it needs to be in a certain area so we can always take metal off 
to make it smaller where we want it to be and we'll, we'll test or, or sorry the other way around we might make it it might be smaller than it has to be and we expand it into the space by taking metal off the tool so it's easy to take metal off a tool um, but it's hard to put metal on a tool because mm. you've got to weld it so there's all these things that come into to manufacturing that you really may not anticipate when you start the project and it's just nice a, a lot of what I do is manage people's expectations and sometimes you get caught you know we've got a project right now and all the hard bits are done and the easiest part we thought was going to be the easiest part is still in production because it's just it's just been a nightmare product it just hasn't been to be, uh, easy to get into tolerance even though the manufacturer said it was, it was quite easy to do so you can get caught out um, but you've got to anticipate that sort of thing the other thing is I guess um, where do you manufacture it um, do you manufacture it locally like if we're in Australia do we manufacture it in Australia or do we go overseas and a lot of people just think oh, I'm just going to go to Asia or China or whatever and do it overseas because it's cheaper it doesn't necessarily hold true because if you look at the, the entire cost you know your exchange rates your duties your freight um, possibility of, of a, um, a fault in the product before it gets back here you can easily chew up all the costs that you've saved in one container full of you know mm. product with a fault in it and so you really got to look at it you know do you want a quality product are you going to QC it yourself in your own eyes or mm. are you can let someone else do it overseas who may not understand what quality levels you want out of it will they we've had a situation where one of my best suppliers in China um, very very diligent but uh, they changed from a master batch to a powder batch for coloring and the specification said 10% and of course the powder in 10% was far far darker than a master batch in 10% and uh, you know the product came 40,000 parts turned up all the wrong color and it doesn't make a difference to them because they just think, oh, it's still a good part, it still works and looks mm. good. Well, that's that's what gonna... my branding's based around a certain color. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, that, that I think that's where I've uh, the experience I've had with clients, and I don't get involved in the actual production side of it with tooling, but certainly the comments I've heard were the client, my clients that have been successful with using overseas suppliers, like going to China, uh, they've had to stay there they've had to go and monitor the process like you said before yeah. the quality control the QC aspect of it they were doing they were watching it come off the line and they yeah. were making changes as they went and if they hadn't have done that they said they would have like you've just said got a whole load of parts back yeah. which were incorrect well, which that's, you know and obviously that's the thing too when you're looking at and that's look that doesn't apply just to China I mean if you're a manufacturer or you're, you're a plant you get given some specifications and you if you do what you think is to spec um, well then that's a successful project uh, job done move on to the next one but as the entrepreneur or the inventor if there's something that's not quite right yet it's still to spec but still hasn't made the product perfect and you're not there to correct that well then you've yeah. still got to uh, d take delivery of yeah, those goods exactly right and I've seen that happen a yeah. lot actually I've seen that happen with someone who designed a tap uh, some tapware and unfortunately with the way they were manufacturing it he wasn't there was every fifth box that he opened and it was actually he said it was quite spooky it was every fifth box there was a fault and it was mm. a, just the way it was coming off the line that there was a fault in every fifth one he doesn't quite understand why but he had to take delivery and then when he asked the manufacturers look why is everyone faulty they said well it's not faulty does it work and he said well actually yeah it works but I can't sell that retail for what I want to ask for retail as in, as in the, the, the price of the product, yeah. you'd have to give it away. In fact, you couldn't even give it away because the handle right. was loose. Yeah, right. Yet, if you could actually use it as a tap. Yeah. 
So yeah. there's there's two sides of that manufacturing process. There's yes, it works, and then there's it just doesn't look good. So yeah, from a sales perspective and a marketing perspective, you can't you can't put that on a shelf. No, no. We, we don't have that sort of culture here where that may be acceptable. It's not acceptable at all. Yeah. So those sort of costs don't often get factored in. Mm. You know, cost of faulty goods. And I mean, you know, once you've shipped something across, you've paid for all the shipping insurance, all the rest, all the duties all been paid for, and it's a finished, you know, all the assembly has been paid for, all the value add has been paid for when it lands here. So just to ask for a rebate on the cost of the manufactured good doesn't cover it. The other thing is, like, if you are manufacturing overseas, okay, you might, you know, say the quote's 20 grand less than um, you quote in Australia. And, and get, don't get me wrong. There's certain things we just can't compete against. You know, we can no. buy we can buy repetition parts from China mm. for less than we can buy the stock here in Australia. There's certain <laughs> things I don't know how it works, but subsidies or whatever it might be that make things cheaper over there that we can't do here. But um, but with, with with certain things we can compete. You know, injection molding we can compete with certain manufacturers. And if you say you're you're tooling for a, for an injection molded part here is 20 grand more than your Chinese part. Once you consider um, if I have to fly up there for you to solve a problem in the project, there's probably there's probably a good chunk of that twenty grand gone, mm. especially if we both go up, you know, there's there's a big chunk of money gone in flights and my wages and all the rest of it to get up there and come back again. Well you always fly first class. Oh. Six, only six star hotel, so I mean, I'm not surprised. I want a broomstick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Scott doesn't do that. I'm just being no, silly. I don't do that. I, I, I do make it as cheap as possible. But even then, you know, it's it's a very expensive process. Yeah, and it can be multiple trips. You know, we've we've got a prob- problem in, in Taiwan at the moment, and, and uh, sorry, Th- Thailand at the moment, and. Uh, you know, I could have gone up three or four times. I've, I've managed to do things remotely through uh, different means, and uh, but yeah, easily could have gone up three or four times if I had of not been able to solve, solve over the uh, over the phone or email, internet. Um, the other thing is, you know, if you are going to do stuff overseas, you really have to have a good um, referee, you know, a good, a good credible uh, source. So for my for my products. Anyone I use overseas, I've gone and visited. You know, I've put the time in, I've gone and visited, shook hands, short, seen seen this setup, and I know what they're all about. Um, we do have a product which is an amazing safety product, which I'd love to see on the market. And um, we had a credible source for manufacturing, and it was 20 grand more than one that I found on Alibaba. That product, five years old, and never made to market. And there's a distributor who would sell that to the mining companies every day of the week. He'd be a multi-millionaire by now if he had just mm. gone with a credible source and not gone with a, a company. He couldn't. And, and in the end, he, if he had more money, he could have made it through, but he just ran out of money because trying and trying and trying to make it work, it just mm. chewed up all his money and he ran out of money mm. to the point where he couldn't afford to get me to go up there and solve it and all that sort of stuff. So, And it's a real shame. It's a, it's a really, it drives me insane because I see these great products and for 20 grand, you know, You've, you've killed the whole product. Well, I think also to decide to mention that that it also when it relates to marketing, because uh, I was talking to someone the other day, and it was the same. It will it will end up being the same situation. I feel where where there's a where you can save. Uh, I mean, obviously, you've got as a business, you've got to look at saving costs where you can. But I think in relation to this manufacturing, a cost saving at manufacturing often means an added cost somewhere else. And so that was a great example you just gave before where a cost saving of $20,000 has obviously potentially cost this person millions of dollars. So there's always, 
a even to delay, even to delays in mm. in sale and mm. launch. Mm. Every week you're not selling; mm. it's costing you money. So you've got to consider that as well. Yeah, no, because I was talking to someone the other week, and I had to explain to them that look, yes, I can understand you wanting to move away from a particular platform for marketing. It's going to be a cost saving. However, the potential loss of the volume of traffic mm. to your product is such that you're going to have to spend maybe, I mean, I was just trying to work it out in my head what it could cost to be five times more than the current platform that you're using. So where there's a cost saving, yes, of course, you can not market in a particular arena because it's costing X and you can see the price going up. But I said, look, the reason it, the price to advertise on this particular platform is going up is because it's supply and demand. Unfortunately, the it's demand effective. for it and there's a huge supply of customers coming in to have a look if you want to get out of that well then you've got to have a, a pretty good plan to say well this is where I'm going to draw my audience and potential uh, prospective customers from mm. so again there, there was two ways of looking at it uh, so yeah again I think and that re- applies to marketing as it does to manufacturing where you can see a cost saving there's obviously well they're, they're often you've got to really evaluate it look at it holistically that's what I say yeah, got to look at the whole picture, mm. and that's why it pays to use people like us, only for the fact that we've seen so many examples of people doing it the right way and the wrong way. And I think the the most important learnings for both of us is to, to have seen people do it the wrong way, and not the wrong way, just another way that they thought was best at the time. Which yes, a twenty thousand dollars saving is huge yeah. if you're starting out, but the cost down the track, you know, the, the cost, the the added cost. For, for using that option, going with that option can sometimes far outweigh yeah. the initial and saving. And in that product, it was only a 20% saving because the, mm. initial, the full tooling set was quite high. Mm. So it wasn't really worth the, the uh, mistake or the, or the loss. Mm. Um, but anyway, so, sort of, so uh, I, guess, I guess these are sort of factors that you have to consider. Um, the one thing I'll do is always get quotes from both, a, a number of sources, and each project will have you know, a very complicated project, I will try not to do overseas, I'll try and do it here because more than likely I'll have to be involved and going, you know, it's just around the corner, it's quite cheap for me to sneak out there and discuss things and work them through. And it's been very, very common that I get involved in the tooling process and and work through what's in my mind, how I'm picturing products being um, manufactured. And, And then the toolmaker can buy into that ideal. And we've had situations where we've had I think every conceivable operation you can do in an in a injection moulding tool we put into one end cap because it needed to be IP66 which is, means it's waterproof to, to a certain level which is pretty much down to three metres sort of thing and if we had have just added seals and components to it it would have just more than likely leaked so we reduced all the seals out of it and we needed a certain certain operation in the tooling and that was the one we looked at seven, seven or eight different companies and only one said they could do it. Mm-hmm. And by working and sitting with them, we worked it out. I'd never done that out overseas. That was one of those projects. I, was, I said, look, it, it's cheaper to do overseas, but we won't do it overseas because by the time I've gone and sat with these people, there's going to be troubles with it. Um, we're going to have to have it here locally. Mm. So, yeah, as I said, just, just have a holistic view. Look at all the costs. Account for them, and that's what I can do. I can sort of put the two quotes on paper and then estimate or forward think through what other costs might be involved and then we can sort of put the holistic look you know the holistic um, picture in front of you and say you know it is cheaper in China by 20 grand but you'll have these delays or you could have these delays you could have me going up there twice 
uh, and that's why I think we should use local and you know then it's up to the client still they can decide from there also from a, a yeah sorry just to before I um, forget uh, I, I wanted to ask you is there legal benefit from manufacturing in Australia because the thing with, which is interesting because I was just listening on the news just this morning that and I didn't I didn't realize you could do this but in China a Chinese court has found an Australian company to be uh, I'll have to I, I, this is something I heard on the radio but apparently there was a wine um, fraud is huge yeah. uh, brands like Penfolds obviously ripe for copying things right. like Grange yep as in the label it's a yeah. very everyone knows what Grange is usually so but and the the demand for Australian wine in China is, is massive and so this Australian company was uh, found guilty in a Shanghai court I think this morning of misleading uh, customers in China with their brand because wow. their, their their name I don't know what I'd, I'd have to look up this article but their name and their their logo was very similar to Penfolds and they were actually using a tagline that said Australia's oldest winery oh, wow. yeah so obviously they were getting away with it for a long time they're making an awful lot of money out of it and with good on China they've actually uh, up, yeah. they've actually pulled it up yeah. I didn't realize that well that's to the extent that China had progressed in terms they of very policing yep. trademark and patent yep. uh, laws, which is great to see because that's the other thing I was going to ask you is if you go to an overseas manufacturer anywhere, not just China, anywhere in the world, the, I mean, here we have, if you work with people like Scott and I have NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, so anything that he shares with me and vice versa, if that's the case, uh, there's legal protections and ramifications for people that divulge information. But if you're going overseas, do you, is that a concern? Yeah, certainly. We always have... Because as soon as you send something over there, it's nothing to say that you could have the money exactly. to exactly. prosecute and exactly. say, we want to follow this up. But someone hard. in the factory seen your product yep. decided to copy it. Yep. Generally with our stuff, you know, we've got a really strong patent in place. You're really more concerned with um, them selling into a country you have patented. So the people I deal with are really reputable. I've never had an issue, touch wood. The only issues we've had is a couple of... Um, one of my clients got copied... But it was an Australian company copying an Australian company right. using a Chinese manufacturer. And they just didn't understand patent law. They said, oh, we've changed it by 10%. I said, well, change it by 10%. That, that you're talking about a design registration, not a patent. This is a fully patented functional, you know, functional patent. So, you know, you, you have to do it a completely different way. And they didn't even understand that. And I think he was an industrial designer, so he should have known better. But um, but no, I don't I don't find the people I use, I don't find um, frightening at all we have a suppliers agreement and we have a non-disclosure agreement so the suppliers agreement the non-disclosure agreement means I won't take your information and share it with other people um, and a, a suppliers agreement is more about who owns the tool you know um, once you've paid for it do, are you able to take it away from them at any point because mm. if, if anything happens mm. you know you're over a barrel your tools over another country your whole company's based around that tool possibly mm. and so What's my access to that tool if, if I want to bring it back to Australia? Say the exchange rate just goes to 50% because they be, in Asia they get, they get paid in US dollars. So we're always at the mercy of the US dollar in Australia. So at the moment it's 70, 70%, so we're paying 30% more than if you were buying it in Australia. Um, so that comes into it as well. Exchange rates are very important. So if all of a sudden you know the American dollar goes to, to two, you know you really want to get those tools out of America, out of China and bring them back to Australia because it makes more sense. If you don't own them through your agreement, then they're going to hold on to them and say, no, we want to keep manufacturing your product so you can't take them. 
if a typhoon goes through and your tools get washed out to sea, who pays for that? Who replaces the tools? All this information, if there's maintenance to be done, how many shots are they guaranteed for? Is it export quality? Because sometimes in China they'll make a tool to suit Chinese conditions. So mm. in China they've got very cheap labour so they can make tools that have got lower quality guides because they know every six months they'll just replace them because they can afford to do it. They, they might have a manual operation which you'd, if you had over here you'd have automated so you wouldn't have a guy or a girl sitting at the, the machine uh, 24 hours a day running the parts. So you've got to stipulate export quality tooling, you've got to you know, stipulate high quality steels, you've got to high, high quality guides, all these things have to be stipulated in the purchase. Otherwise it might be 20 grand cheaper but you might be getting a far inferior product. Mm. Uh, you might have a tool that might even last 50,000 shots and then you have to buy another tool. Mm. Or man maintain that tool. Whereas if you buy a high-speed tool here, uh, tool st steel yeah, P13 here, uh, a very high-grade tool, tool steel here, uh, you may never have to replace it or maintain it. It's got such high-quality tool steel, which costs more, of course, but it'll last hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of shots. But a shot is just each time a part gets made. Um, so there's lots to consider, and that's why I guess we're here to advise on the best options. Look at all the look at the quote see what's involved, see what you're getting for your money, and give you all the pros and cons about doing it here or overseas. Mm. Fascinating stuff. So it's really about, I suppose the only thing we can end off with is you've just got to be very mindful of what the actual cost is of manufacturing, yes. not just the financial cost. So yes. it could uh, cost you a lot more. You've been listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick.